Well, good morning again, and uh, let me just go ahead and say, today we are beginning a brand new teaching series entitled The Journey, What You Need and What to Leave Behind. And I hope and pray, and I believe with all my heart that it is going to be a blessing to you. If you have ever wondered if I've ever preached in a sweater before, this is a first. Today, here in Houston, Texas, if you're watching from somewhere else, it's cold for us Houstonians. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, kind of done this. If you're an empty nester, you probably have. You follow what the weather is like in your kids' area. Like right now, today, at this moment, it was about 13 degrees in the Oklahoma City area where my daughter Taryn and my son-in-law Mitch are. It was also about negative nine in the windshield factor. And so, yeah, uh, thank God for living in Houston, right? Amen. Um, Tori has a camera outside of her front, room, uh, front uh, door, and there's about five inches of snow on her porch and uh, she's not even got to be there today. She's here. She's going to be going down to Mexico with us. I don't think it's a, just a happenstance or just a, wow, never saw that coming, that Tori, every time December rolls around, she comes home, right? I mean, she doesn't want to live in Michigan where she's at experiencing the cold weather. But yeah, today is the first time that I have worn a sweater because you know how it is, you Houstonians, right? Thank God bless Texas. Thank you so much. Uh, it gets about 30 degrees on a Sunday about once every, I don't know, four, five, seven years or something like that. And uh, so here we are today. Well, today we are starting and we are beginning this message series called The Journey. I had another one in mind in another direction I was going. It's very similar, but a little different title. Today, I hope it will be a blessing to you. And there is a book by Dr. David Jeremiah, who I know some of you are fans of. It's called Forward. And it's a very interesting book because it was written kind of in the midst of the, the COVID era. It was actually at the end of not last year. And let me make sure I get this straight. This is 2022. Not in October of 2021, but in October of 2020. And man, things have changed a lot. It feels like things change almost monthly, right? And there for a while, it felt like they were changing about hourly. So we're, we're thankful to have the deep breath of a whole 30-day period where things change around. But there's information in this book. There's principles in this book that will be a blessing to you. It's available uh, on audiobook. It's available on Kindle and good old-fashioned actual paper if you're interested in using that. But as Eric read just a minute ago, we have a one to remember, a a a kind of a scripture that you can say, this is the one I'm going to remember and memorize. And we'll be sharing this all throughout this uh, entire teaching series. It's from Philippians chapter three, verse 13 and 14. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is literally my favorite verse in the Bible. Um, I memorized it as I was growing up in the King James version. So it's a little different as we look at it in the NIV. But basically, Paul is saying, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of something that is powerful, meaningful, and something that God has called me to. In other words, I've still got work to do. But one thing I am going to do, I'm going to forget what is behind, and I'm going to strain towards what is ahead. And I love this passage of scripture, especially at the beginning of a year, as we look at it and say, you know what, whatever has come before, whether good or bad, whatever has kept me tied up in knots, whether good or bad in the last few years, last few months, whatever it is, I'm going to forget it 
and I'm going to strain towards what God has called me to do. Now, I don't know if we've had some of this conversation as a, church, as a family, and now I'm going to share it with you as a church family. Have you all had the experience where it feels like in some ways 2020 and 2021 are literally almost like fused together, like it's one year or something? Have you all had that experience in your head? And simultaneously, it has felt like it is the longest year ever. And yet, it's also the shortest year ever, all at the same time. I can't explain how that is, but we've had that conversation as a family. Maybe you guys feel the same. But here's what I know. In so many ways, we've been in holding patterns. We've been kind of kind of waiting for this, this other shoe to drop, and then the other shoe drops, and we realize, well, there's actually another shoe. And I don't know what... Um, Greek alphabet letter comes after Omicron, but uh, it's coming, right? I mean, it's just our world. I wish we could say, hey, guys, good news. We've got the vaccine. Everything's fixed and finished, and there will be no more problems. We've already gone through the Delta and the Omicron, and so everything's going to be just fine. I've got kind of what you have already come to and what I've already come to. This is going to be a part of our world, And I wish it were not. I wish we didn't have to think about it. I wish we didn't have to worry about it. But we have come a long way, and we have definitely broken new ground and found out things that we did not know before. But the unfortunate thing for us is, if we're going to be stuck because of the existence of a virus, we are going to be stuck for a long time because I don't think the virus is going away. How many of you guys have ever heard of influenza before? Have you all ever heard of influenza before? We haven't, we haven't solved that one yet, have we, right? There's still lots and lots of people that literally pass away each year from the flu virus. This also is a virus. It's novel, it's new, it was very different. We made a lot of decisions to kind of make sure that the pandemic did not get away from us. But if you think that they're going to solve this and heal this and fix this, and it's all going to go away tomorrow, I got bad news. I don't think that's going to happen. Do you? No, right? So many of you are shaking your head no. So we have to decide and determine, so how do we move forward? How do we do so with wisdom, but also how do we make sure that it doesn't leave us in a perpetual holding pattern that we're not looking at this and going, so 2023, (laughs) we've been kind of in a holding pattern for the last three years rather than just as long as we have been. And so whatever is going on in your world and in your head and in your mind and in your heart, I can't say. But I will say this, I don't believe that God wants us to be perpetually in a holding pattern. I think we have to find a way forward for ourselves. And as we move forward, we put our trust in him and we are as smart and intelligent as we possibly can. Now, very quickly, as we talk about this and as we kind of go forward, I want to just share what I shared with you last week. Some of you were here, some of you were, you know, celebrating and holidays and stuff like that. And some are there right now. But I talked about this last week and shared with you, and I think it's really, really important. Let's go to this next slide here. When it comes to Christ's family, your standing doesn't disqualify you or qualify you. You know, your standing doesn't qualify you any more than your past sin disqualifies you for a place in God's family. And so as we move forward, we realize that we are a part of God's family. And as we make some of these choices and changes over the next few, you know, days, weeks, and months, we're doing so knowing that we already have a place where we belong. But as we move forward, I think it's important for us to grasp and understand something, and that is this. Most of us kind of wish that our lives would be better, 
we, maybe we're looking and saying, I want 2022 to be a better year than it was last year. And I get that and I'm right there with you. But the bad news that I have for you is greatness rarely accidentally occurs. I'm going to say that one more time. Greatness in anything rarely accidentally occurs. Can you guys say amen to that, right? I mean, you don't just stumble into a great marriage. I, okay, this is for me, all right? You don't stumble into great physical shape after the holidays, right? Can I get an amen? All right, I'm saying amen, right? I mean, I don't want to know how many pounds are coming along with me over the last few weeks, but I'm just going to have to talk with my wife about how long we celebrate. feels like we started in mid-November, just finished yesterday. So we might need to change that. You don't accidentally get into great physical shape. You don't accidentally have a great marriage. You don't accidentally have a great spiritual life. God doesn't just grab you and go, no, you're really important to me. Come this way. I don't care what else you've decided that you're going to pursue. Come this way. It doesn't happen like that. It's the things that you and I choose. And so we have to be very careful that we find ourselves in this place where we know this is where we belong. And yet we also make the next decision. And that is on this next slide. And that is just this. Many of us fill the majority of our hours with diversions and only a few of us with dreams. You guys know what a diversion is, right? It's just anything that just passes the time. We got things on our phone. We got things on Netflix. I mean, by the way, uh, the only thing that I accomplished during the pandemic was I finished Netflix, so that was good. Um, now I'm down to that slob that just sits on the couch and says, play something, right? I, I, I don't know why that bothers me so bad, but it really does. Um, yeah, you know, we fill it with diversions, but we don't really dream of something better and more important and more meaningful and higher quality and we don't pursue those things. But our world is shaped by determined dreamers, by men and women of vision. And like them, you need a dream to achieve your goal. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. David Jeremiah talks constantly about dream. And there's a part of me that kind of pushes back against the word dream. Because I think for many of us, we have a dream. We, we daydream about a better world and a better life and a better relationship and a better spiritual world and all of these things, but we don't actually roll up our sleeves and do anything to make it happen. And for most of us, a dream is where we end. We wish it would, but we never do anything to move towards it. So today, I want to talk to you about a man who rolled up his sleeves and changed our world. His name is the Apostle Paul. He's the guy that we just read from Philippians chapter 3. His writings from Philippians chapter 3, we're going to go a little deeper, look at what he was saying, when he was saying it, and how he was saying it, and then apply it to our own lives and see if it kind of points to where we are. Now, very quickly, let me talk about this. In Philippians chapter 3 that we just read with Eric, he says in that chapter 3, verse 2, and if you have your, you know, your app pulled up, that's cool. You can follow along. He says, watch out for the dogs, those people who were the circumcision according to the flesh. You see, back in those days, there was a religious controversy that you could be right with God only if you were literally an, an individual who practiced circumcision. Now, if you are here and you don't know what that means, ask your parents later. I'm not going into it, but I'm just telling you that was a Jewish custom that they brought forward, and that was their way of showing that they are right with God. And it worked for the covenant of circumcision for the Jewish people, but they missed the point. They missed the point of cutting off all those things which got in the way of them being close to God. That was what it was supposed to symbolize. 
And Paul grasped that. Now, he was a Jew himself, but he realized that what God was teaching with the the habit and the, the tradition of circumcision was something that was supposed to happen inside. But there were people that said, no, Paul, no matter how good a life you're living, you're not okay because you're not preaching and teaching that everybody has to have this rite of circumcision and do this tradition that we've always done. Paul's like, no, 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 no. There are people out there that are trying to fool you. They're trying to give you this false religiosity. Don't buy it. There are people who want to do things that look and sound and feel like they're really religious, but they don't actually do anything to change the inside of their life. And we've all figured this out, right? I don't care what you look like on your social media. I don't care what you pretend to be. I want to know who you are. And I want to know who you are when nobody's looking. And I want to know who you are when it doesn't benefit you at all. When it's not about you gaining and getting ahead, but when you are a blessing to someone else, that's when you have my attention, amen, right? I mean, that's when we know it's real. That's when we know it matters. And Paul's like, look, they're they're doing all these things to get your attention. They're acting really religious. They sound really good if you listen, but go a little deeper. What does their life show you about who they really are? That's what's important. And by the way, they're hating on me. That's, what, that's, the, you know, that's the New Texas version of what Paul is saying. They're hating on me. They're, they're mutilators of the flesh. They're, they're into the circumcision thing, but they don't realize that there is a circumcision of the heart where you cut off all these things which might keep you from God. And so they want to hate me, but they don't want to change themselves. Big difference. I wish I could tell you this was something that Paul had to deal with and you don't, but it's real, right? Every day, we're still dealing with the same things, same kind of people. This is what's going on. But Paul says, if they want to put their resume up against my resume, let's do this. Let's go. Here's what I was and here's who they are. Here's what they've done. Here's what I've done. Here are the things that they show and they say, these are the important things. I've done them all. But like many people, Paul realized that he pursued something. The journey that he undertook was like climbing to the top of the ladder and turning around realizing that he had leaned it up against the wrong tree. He got to the top and realized that it was empty still. And so he redid everything. God got a hold of him on the Damascus road and changed everything. So that's when that one to remember that we just talked about, when Paul says, everything that I used to have, I now consider it garbage. It's garbage. I thought I was someone. It's garbage. I thought I did some things that I should be proud of. It's garbage. Everything that I thought I was pursuing, it's all garbage. But I'll tell you what's not garbage. What's not garbage is the fact that I love God and he loves me. He knows who I am. And I'm going to give my whole life poured out before him like a drink offering. And I'm going to give him everything that I've got until I can't give anymore, until the life comes to an end. I'm living everything. He goes on in this passage of scripture that we're going to share in a little bit. It says, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That's how powerfully Paul felt this thing. And so as we look at what Paul was saying, he's like, I'm forgetting everything that's behind. I'm straining towards what is ahead. In the King James Version, he calls it the high calling. He calls it the high calling of Christ Jesus. This is what I love, and this is where I want to take just a minute and camp out. And let me just ask you this question. If somebody were on the outside looking into your life, 
If they were to see the things that you do with your time, with your energy, with your emotions, with your money, all of these different things that you do with the things that make you you, would they write on that piece of paper, this person is living according to a high calling? Because unfortunately for most of us, we agree that greatness doesn't just happen, but then we say, I am not actually living my life according to a high calling. I'm into diversion, not into making a difference. I'm not into dreaming of something that could be better in my life, in my situation, in my community, in the people that I care about. I'm not into doing anything to make a difference, but I'm just simply diverting myself from the reality of the day to day to day to day. I hope you guys hear where I'm coming from. I'm going to encourage you. If you don't leave with anything else today, leave with this. You need to have a dream of a better existence than you've got. All of us do. Especially as we stand at the precipice of a brand new year. My goodness, if we can't dream and think, maybe 2022 is going to be a better year and a better me. Man, we probably do not have high expectations for this coming year. And so if you can't leave with anything else, leave with the dream of a better you and a better tomorrow. And if you guys are with me, you all understand where I'm coming from. Give me an amen. Amen. Okay, so I've got four of you here. Let me ask you again. Can I get an amen? amen. All right. You know, I know what y'all are doing. Y'all only do that because you know, hey, if you don't, he'll go back to the very beginning. And you know what? Y'all are smart people. I ain't going to lie. All right. So here's what I see. The high calling and how important this is for us. Not that we've obtained something. Not that we've covered the ground that we need to cover. But that we press on towards something that is bigger and better than just simply the things that we do. Now, I want to just be very, very, very practical if at all possible. And that is this. I want to give you something. I, I say that you have to have goals as you move forward in this year. I want to be very practical, and then I'm going to bring it back to the spiritual. So even if you're a person who says, you know, I don't really know about this spiritual life that you're talking about, that's not necessarily something that's super important to me. I think that I can be a blessing to you with biblical principles of how to accomplish some things in your life. But then I also want to encourage you to think a little deeper and go a little deeper, and hopefully you'll see the spiritual side and the things that God is able to do with and for you as you move forward. But let's take a minute. Let's do a little diversion. Let's go to the goals. And I'm doing an acronym of G-O-A-L-S, goals, so you can know how you get to the place that you ought to be in this coming year. This is something I'll be sharing and talking a little bit about over the next few weeks. The first one is God's plan. Always has God's priorities first. Now, why do I put that? I'll tell you why I put that. Because you and me are sneaky little devils. Here's what I mean. I, I, I know it's not you and it's not me, but we know people who sometimes have a great plan to do great things and it usually benefits them greatly. And then at the end of it, they say, and by the way, God, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, because I've got a great plan where everything that I do makes me feel good about who I am no matter what, and I don't really have to change, I don't really have to grow, I don't really have to be better, I don't really have to be different towards anybody that I really wouldn't want to be better towards, but by the end, uh, that's right, and by the way, God, you know what I'm talking about. Here's the problem for most of us, that we put God at the very end, and we somehow think, well, I've been doing God's plan. No, you're trying to get God on your plan and put his name on it. I know this. 
Not because I've done this, <clears throat> right? And not because you've done this, right? Okay, all of us have done this. We have an idea, something that we want to see done, and we want to put God's name on it, put a spiritual tag and label on it, and it just don't work that way. I don't know if you've had an experience like this, but I promise you I've been there. I've done that. And may God forgive me when I do those things in his name that have to do with me and not him. But God's plan always has God's priorities first. You know, when he says stuff like seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will get added to you as well. If we will seek him first, everything begins to fall into place and we don't have to fight this battle. But if you're a person who's labeled something as God's plan, if it doesn't have God's priorities first and foremost, then it's probably your plan with God's name on it. So be very careful. How do you go with goals? Very quickly, it's God's plan first. Now, let's go to this next slide. And if you can see this title slide here, as you see this right here, I don't know, I've actually been to that, not that one specific spot, but have any of you guys ever been to the Redwoods? Have any of you all been to the Redwood National Park or, or to the Muir Woods? I mean, it's gorgeous. It's amazing. And I love this particular picture, not just because it reminds me of a place that I've actually visited, but I love this. How many of you have ever heard of the, the thing called The Road Less Travel by M. Scott Peck, right? You've heard of that, that story, that poem about the man who saw two paths that diverged in the woods, and I took the one less traveled, and it's made all of the difference in the world. Can I tell you something? If nothing seems to be bringing you fulfillment, if nothing seems to be bringing you closer to being a better person and being more of what God would have you to be, if nothing seems that it's out of your control and in God's hands, can I tell you, you're probably on the wrong path. You're probably on the wrong path. You took the one that you wanted to label as God's plan, but it probably was yours, and then you missed that path. Here's what I love about God. For us, we're like, okay, well, let's go back and find it. We're going to go back there and find where we got off, and we're going to Turn around, you know, we go back and we spend weeks and months backtracking on where we got off track. Can I just tell you something? Here's what's beautiful about God. As Lamentations 3 says, his mercies are new every single morning. You don't have to figure out where you got off track. You just need to go back and say, God, from this point forward, lead me. Just lead me. I try to be really, really honest and really, really open and transparent with you guys. And my wife and I have celebrated our 31st anniversary this past week. Can I get it? Yeah. <clears throat> Can you also give me a hand? I mean, I know what y'all are clapping for initially. Y'all are like, that woman is a saint. Thank, thank the Lord we've got this woman. Right. I get it. She's a saint. I get it. I agree. I agree. Um... I do try to be very transparent with you guys, and I want to just share something that happened in our relationship within the last, um, I'm going to say three or four months. We were talking, and uh, just to be honest, I mean, just give you the picture, we were laying in bed together, and we were about to go to sleep, and we were frustrated with each other. And she said something uh, about what I had said earlier, and I said something back to her. And I know that you guys can't relate, but we went back and forth and kind of a little snippy with each other. And it was 
a, a number of weeks and months where we just hadn't really been able to get all the way on the same page where there was always just kind of a residue of resentment. I, I know none of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? It's just us. Shelly, it's just us. Like no one else knows, but you and I, we know. So here's the truth. She said something, I said something, we went back and forth, and finally we just said to each other, we looked each other in the eyes and we both started to cry and we said, there's some stuff that we can't keep holding on to if we ever want this to be better. I've got some stuff that I need you to forgive me for, and you've got some stuff that I need to forgive you for. And we could probably try to figure it out and get to the bottom of it or hash through all of it or go to therapy for six months and see who is right or wrong. Or we could just say, you know what, from this day forward, like, let's follow a different path. That's what we did. Because it really doesn't matter who is right or who is wrong. It just matters what are we going to do as we move forward. So... I try to be honest with you guys because if you think that it's easy in a preacher's home with two people who genuinely love God to always be on the same page, it ain't easy and it ain't automatic and it isn't something that just falls into place. It usually takes work. And so here's what I would say. If you were at that place in any spot in your life, whether it's spiritually, relationally, financially, Whatever it might be physically, man, you can go back and try to figure out where it all went wrong. Or you can say, you know what, forgetting those things which are behind me and moving towards what is ahead, I'm going to move towards that that is in front of me instead of trying to go back and rehash and figure out if there's a way that I could put some sort of mark on my sleeve that I was right or I was the one who was correct or whatever. And we honestly have had a much better relationship for three months better and more and better and better and better over and over and over again because we just said, you know what? Forget what was behind. Let's move towards what is ahead. And you know what? Can I tell you guys something? As people who don't have kids at their house, I mean, except for during the holidays, right? I mean, when, when the kids are gone, this is when it's easy to just go your separate ways. Take, you take this path, I take this path. Because we've let a lot of stuff and a lot of crap build up. That, is it okay for the preacher to say crap from the pulpit? Is that okay? <clears throat> if you've been married, you know it's crap, right? So here's what I would say. It's important to just let it go and keep moving. I could, I could camp here, but I think you guys got enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick it up. All right, let's go to this next slide very quickly. This is our O, the overcome. To overcome the complications and the complacency that inevitably happens. There are going to be obstacles and problems. If you set your sights on going forward and being better, there is going to be something that you have to overcome. One of them is complacency, where you're just like, man, I don't have the energy to do it. Or there are complications, things that you didn't see coming. Let's go to our next slide here. And as we go forward, this is from Acts chapter 24. And this is something very, very important to learn. If you look at Paul's life, he actually lost about 48 months at least of time. He lost at least 48 months of time being thrown in jail for his witness and his testimony and his truth that he was teaching. I promise you, when Paul was setting aside things, he didn't think, man, one of these days, I'm just going to get thrown in jail for four solid years, and I'm just going to lose that time to accomplish what God has for me. But it happened. 
And it was totally out of his hands. Can I get an amen if you can relate? 2020, 2021, things out of your hands. You have no idea why it happened. It just did. You can't change it even if you want to. You can't pray it away. You just have to go through it. And Paul went through it. Here in Acts 24, two solid years passed with a a king named Felix, a a ruler named Felix, keeping him in chains. We go to this next slide, and at the very end of Acts chapter 28, there is a time where he stays for two whole years under house arrest in Rome. 48 months gone. What in the world is God doing with Paul in this time? I'm glad I pretended that you ask. Here's what's going on. Paul was writing letters. Paul was writing letters. How silly. What a trivial thing to do. Why in the world would you write letters? What's the big deal? Well, here's what happened. Paul wrote letters to the churches that he had been visiting. The churches that he established on his missionary journeys. One of them was a church in Philippi. The letter to the church at Philippi became known as the book of Philippians. The letter to the church at Colossae became known as the letter to the Colossians. The letter to the Ephesian church, the church in Ephesus, became known as the book of Ephesians. Paul was writing scripture as he was writing the letters to these churches. They have stood the test of time. God took something that Paul clearly did not know was anything more than a letter. And it is something that literally today you will still hear discussed quoted from, memorized, and gives us a path for walking in a spiritual life. And it was all during happening. These three letters that I'm talking about all happened during this 48 months of nothing happening in Paul's life. You guys see what I'm saying here? God redeems your life. He redeems your efforts. He will use things in ways that you never expect, but you got to be faithful. You've got to go, you've got to do it, you've got to keep moving. Very quickly, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament, many of those written in prison. He likely didn't see his writings as scriptures, and yet they were considered just that by his peers. And yes, his peers did know that he was writing scripture. It's found in 2 Peter 3, verse 16, that basically Peter says, Paul's writings and other scriptures, puts them on par with the other scriptures, And he goes forward and moves on. Very quickly, let's go to goals. This third thing, the the, uh, A in goals stands for aim. You've got to be intentional in both your plan and your path. And by the way, this is a perfect opportunity for you to begin something brand new. Go to this next slide and you'll see very quickly, you can find these kinds of things out there on on the uh, internet. Seven apps to help you build uh, and achieve your goals, build new habits. All of that, you can look for something like this. I have five tools that can change your life. They really can. And I'm going to just share them with you very, very quickly. Go to this next slide. Uh, And one is called the Todoist app. It is an alarm for tasks. So if you say to yourself, you know what? I really need to stay in better touch with my kids. But I don't do that automatically or easily. Sometimes it goes weeks and I haven't really reached out to them in the different way, very private. You know, it's just too much of a group text thing or whatever. 
the Todoist app. It's an alarm for task. There is the Strides app, and that is charting for your goals that you set aside. The Pause app, it is, you can look that up as a one-minute pause online. That reminds you to take a moment and pray. Get the Pause app. It will literally talk you through a prayer and give you the opportunity to pray every single day, at least twice. There is the Bible Gateway app. That's the Bible in written and audio form. So if you're a person who says, well, I I have time to listen to an audio thing, but I don't have the Bible. Well, now you do. It's a free app. All of these are free apps. And then the podcast app. Man, you can learn anything at any time by just simply learning how to use podcasts. Very quickly, let's keep going here in goals again. You learn, and this is important, you grow in competence and in character. If you're not getting as becoming a better person, but you're just simply getting better and more skilled, the problem for most of us is, is we're good at competence, but we're very weak on growing in character. We need to do that a little bit more. That's how you can learn by growing in those ways. And then finally, the S. Well, let's go to this next slide, actually, before we go to the S. <laughs> the path of least resistance leads to crooked rivers and to crooked men, as Henry David Thoreau said. So... As you get a little more scale in your life, you get a little bit more money, you get a little more influence, you get a little bit more time, you get a little bit more in your life. It can be used for good or for evil. (laughs) As the superhero movies say, use your talents and your opportunities for good and not for evil. The only way that that happens is along the way you've been growing, not just in your competence, but also in your character, right? Okay, very quickly... Service, you do something for others' benefit. And here's what I want to share with you. It is so important for us because many times we slap that label of God's plan on there and it never includes anybody but one child, (laughs) you and me. One child alone benefits and yet truly God wants his children to be a blessing to all of his other children. It's so important that we never forget that Christ came to serve He said, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down as a ransom for many. That's from Mark chapter 10. You can see that in the scriptures. You can see that on this next slide here, that Christ came to lay himself down. But then you go a little further in the next slide that you see, you see that basically Paul took up the example of Christ and said, I'm going to live it in my own way. He says, I have sufficient courage so that Now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Here's what's going on. As he's writing these words to the Philippians, he realizes he's got less in front of him than he's got behind him. And I don't know about you, but I'm middle age, right? I'm middle age. I'm 50, almost 51. That means I'm going to live to be 102, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to think about. But I've got more behind me than I've got in front of me. And so that that's in front of me, I want to make sure that it counts. As Paul is looking at his life, as he looks around, he says to the Philippians, he's writing it down. And we know, according to ancient history and church history, Paul is probably only a handful of years removed from his death. But he writes these words to the Philippians in chapter 1. He says, if I live... You're going to be blessed because I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to lay down my life, my time, my efforts, my energy so that you will be blessed and that you will be closer to Christ. But if God takes me away, then I get to go home and rest in heaven. And that's even better. 
So for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. This is the message. As Paul is on his journey, he sees for me to live is Christ, and for me to die is gain. He sees a better future than the one that he has seen. He sees something more coming than what he's already experienced. He sees a better world on his way. For us, especially at the precipice of 2022, man, what a blessing to be able to say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Forgetting those things that have happened over the last couple of years and straining towards a high calling that God will fulfill, these things become powerful. This is the way that you live a great life. And I can't believe I've done this, but I've gone all this way, all the way to the big idea. And here is the big idea. Let's go to the big idea. Number nine, if you don't mind, please. Slide number nine. Tomorrow's great lives are built on dreams and actions taken yesterday and today. These are the ways that you and I have better lives tomorrow. The actions that we choose the dreams that we have towards where we can go. It all begins today in the here and now. So let's dream of a better 2022 and then let's roll up our sleeves and pursue that thing and not just hope and pray that it comes and it happens to be better. So very quickly, how do you apply this message? I'm gonna say a couple of things and then share a quick video with you. Here's how you apply this message. What are two or three things in your life that you really wanna be better in 2022 than they were in the last year or two. I gave you two lines, and by the way, I don't know, I could have sworn I had that right font, but yeah, some of the spacing is off a little bit. But here are two or three things in your life that you really want to be better in 2022. What are they? What is it? Maybe it's your spiritual life, and maybe it's your financial life. Maybe it's your relational life. Maybe it's your physical body. Whatever it might be, make sure that you give that the opportunity to be better. There's a guy that you probably have never heard of, but he's written in the book uh, Forward by David Jeremiah. His name is Brett Hagler, and it's a very interesting story. Uh, a guy who is now voted as a guy who is a mover and shaker, uh, one of the 30 under 30, uh, and you can see him. He's actually out on bretthagler.com. Uh, he has an amazing story. If you look a little further into him, he said, I began to pursue a path. He said, my path could be summed up in three words, gold, girls, and glory. He said, that's what I was all about when I got out of high school and college. I was all about the girls and the gold and the glory. That was what I wanted for myself. He said, I pursued that path and then realized that finding the very end of that is a pathway to emptiness. So instead, he sought something else, and he went on a mission trip right after the earthquake that hit Haiti in 2010. And he went there, and he realized that Jesus gave his life to be a blessing to those who needed him. And he decided, I'm going to become somebody who uses modern technology to be a blessing, especially to those who are poor and need help. He chose to use his modern technology in the way of a 3D printer to be able to buy and build a house in his company that he founded, the company of New Story. It is a two-bedroom, one-bath house that can basically be built and erected in the space of 24 hours. Isn't that incredible? It's amazing, right? Right? 
And if you look on his bio there, he, he says, here's who I am. I'm a CEO and founder of New Story, co-founder of Home Team Ventures. He's a Y con, uh, a Combinator alum, a cancer survivor. And then what's that last one there? He's a follower of Jesus. He said, that's what his life looks like. And that's what my life ought to look like. That's powerful. He's using his life to be a blessing and to be a, a, an agent of change. It's so important for you and I to know that it's not just people like Paul back in the day. It is people like Brett Hagler and people like you and me who don't let our past control or confine us. And we say, those things that are past have been forgotten and I'm moving towards what God has called me to do in my life. Powerful things. Let's check out this movie. The new year is often a time of reflection. A chance to look back on the past 365 days and remember. Sometimes the memories bring a smile and other times they break our hearts. Chances are you've experienced a bit of both this past year. The new year is also a time to look ahead, to imagine what could be, to scan the horizon with expectation and seek God's guiding hand. It's a time to strive for better, to live louder, love stronger, and be more of who God has created us to be. It's an opportunity for new beginnings, a chance to start fresh, to pursue God with a renewed passion, and to press on with all our hearts. The truth is, God has been faithful this past year, and that faithfulness promises to carry us through the next. As the new year begins, may we remember this one simple truth. In Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come.